Week two in the NFL is about to kick off, and Chicago is going to head to Tampa Bay for what might be a surprisingly important tilt only two weeks into the season. Myself and Nick Whalen break everything down, plus a little review of last week's game on this episode of Bear With Us. What's going on, everybody? I am Robert Schmitz, the editor-in-chief of DeBear's blog, here with Nick Whalen from Football Guys. And Nick, what a week it has been reacting to, is it fair to say, the fallout of week one? Like, this has been, uh, can I say it's melodramatic? Because it has been a soap opera over here. Yeah, I mean, I at this point, I feel like Ryan Poles and Eberflus are both going to get fired. Um, Justin Fields can't start anymore. They're probably going to tank for Caleb Williams. There it is. Season's over, right? I mean, goodness gracious, people are acting like it. And I know that I've been one of the voices on Twitter that's at least talked about how, well, the door is open. Maybe the season goes this way. And maybe it does, Nick. But it's week, it's week two. It's week one. In this case, like it's so, so early. This is the same time that the Dallas Cowboys tend to look amazing. What what do you know? Right? Right Mm -hmm. on schedule. And then they tend to fade around week 10. On the other hand, this is when the Bengals dropped their signature massive L. And they did that too. And by the end of the season, they pick it up. The Bears story may not be written any more positive than we saw on Sunday. But after one game, we can't know. Right? Like, we at least have to take this another week. Right. And 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 from looking at film, one of the things that I saw that was glaring was the guys that missed time. Brisker, Demarcus Walker. Um, you go through the list, the O-line, interior O-line, because injuries or personal or shifting positions. Chase Claypool. You go down the list. Anyone that missed time, besides Darnell Wright, I'll point him out. All of them looked bad. They looked rusty. Uh, uh, Tremaine Edmonds, all of them looked rusty like this was a preseason game for them. And overall, when you watch the film, that's the feel that I got. Like this was a warm-up game for them because they weren't warmed up. They didn't get the reps in practice and they didn't gel and communicate and everything didn't come together. That's what week one was. That's what I saw. Now, again, we as we talked about on our post-game pod, a lot of teams looked rusty. And I think could it, some of that could be the preseason part of it. And some of it is there's a lot of new faces getting together. It's not the end of the world, okay? It wasn't no. good. The Bears played bad, but it's not the end of the world. And I'm surprised, by the way, because as I watch the tape, I mean, there's a um, there's a certain offensive lineman that stood in the middle of the formation that <laughs> I thought about as I watched like him through, I was like, Oh, Nick is Nick is going to yep. kill Lucas Patrick. Like yes. not only, not only did he not block well, but on a screen heavy game plan, which I don't actually think the game plan was as screen heavy as some people saw no. it because a lot of those screens were checkdowns, but the screens were there. And mm-hmm. if you're going to do that many screens, you cannot snap the ball that badly. Like there were a lot of snaps that were way off Justin's frame and that, I don't know, there's going to be plenty. There's going to be plenty of criticism to go around. Like you have to assign these things fairly, right, Nick? Like we've lived through the Trubisky age where everybody was, at least when I remember that, the way I remember it was, yes, people were criticizing Trubisky, but a lot of people in defense of Trubisky criticized 
absolutely anything that could be criticized around yes. Trubisky. But yes. on screen plays in particular, yeah, if the screen's to the right and the snap comes in way on your left-hand side, it's going to slow <laughs> yes. you down. No matter who you are, you can't mm-hmm. take that thing and spin the ball the other direction unless uh, – chance our Superman couldn't do it either. So mm-hmm. every little detail matters. It's a game of inches, and, and that's applied in broad strokes across every side of football. And Lucas Patrick, I mean, simple terms, Nick, simply wasn't good enough. His best rarely beat the Packers, and his worst blew holes in the offense. Yeah, I mean, I wanted to punt him in, to, you know, to the moon or to the sun. I mean, I, I, you knew that, you knew that beforehand. I was worried because his season last year was bad. Whenever he did play, now again, I know he had the club and whatever, and he was bad again today. Now or uh, on Sunday, the the good news is, you know, if we want to have some hope, let's just talk about the offensive line for a second. Some hope is, um, Nate Davis has been a top 25 PFF guard each of the last three years. He can't possibly play that bad for the whole season. There's no way he can give up that many pressures and have bad leverage. And he just seemed, again, rusty. And And on film, to back you up, I didn't think he looked bad. I thought he looked inconsistent. The reps where he was off, he was way off getting smoked mm. by Devonte wyatt like we've all seen at this point bad don't ever let that happen if you can avoid it but on plenty of other reps he was sending somebody into lucas patrick collecting himself and firing back at rights man playing help defense on the mm-hmm. offensive line he saw his run gap in many cases and fought with right to expose rushing lanes like it was it's as if 50% of his snaps, he just borked. And the other 50%, we saw who the Bears paid $10 million a year to. So yep. there's hope with Luke, or with Nate Davis. Frankly, there more is. so than even somebody like Cody Whitehair, where he mm-hmm. didn't play a terrible game. We just know what we're going to get. And so you hope that you get less Patrick and closer to serviceable. Though, oh, we missed Tevin Jenkins. And I feel like it's pretty clear. Yeah. Well, and he, he was at practice today without a boot on. So that's right. positive for hopefully week five. The one thing I want to, if we want to talk about a, a big highlight of the offensive line, let's talk about the tackles. Got and, it. And again, this is, again, this is PFF stuff, but also on film, I thought the tackles looked good, all things considering. And that means Rashawn Gary's really good and it's Darnell Wright's first start and he's going to allow some pressures and some oh, of that yeah. stuff happens. <laughs> But Darnell Wright graded out as the 13th best overall tackle in his first NFL start among the entire NFL. That's fantastic. Oh, and, yeah. Braxton, and Braxton Jones was number one, tied for number one, Robert. I'm actually, I'm actually every, really shocked. Yeah, yeah, among every offensive lineman in pass protection. So, and, and, and it's weird because last year he was better run blocking than pass pro. Oh, and and this game in particular did him a lot of favors. PFF's grading scale, I remember I was talking to a PFF grader just the other day, and they told me, probably a little light on flags. And in Braxton's case, the penalties were his major mistakes. But I I will tell you, Nick, as we get into this, I feel like we we almost have to take a tongue-in-cheek attitude with this game. Because yes, we can play the, okay, it wasn't that bad, but I I really have to emphasize, because I know you believe this, Nick, it was that bad. The only good news is that when the game is over, the game is over. And week one doesn't affect week two unless you let it. And that'll be a matter of the coaching staff to resolve. And frankly, if they allow week one to bleed into week two, week two, I think you and I would both agree, Nick, that that tells us maybe everything we need to know. But we won't get there yet. Within the offensive line, I'll tell you, 
I I have not seen a lot of offensive line game plans, Nick, where you get good play from your tackles and your line is still that bad. Like that is rare. Usually in the NFL, if you're going to get whipped, you're going to get whipped on the edges because there are some monsters out there and there were some monsters out there. But that interior was just it was just so hit and miss. I think. PFF had the uh, the whole line graded as a 60, and I personally thought that was the perfect grade replacement level. Was this line the worst line in ball? Not necessarily from a pass blocking perspective, but it was so inconsistent. It did not help the team at the very least. And mm-hmm. on a day where it felt like the offense needed somebody, whether it was Justin Fields, whether it was Luke Getze, whether it was DJ Moore, whether it was the offensive line, they needed somebody to be a leader. The offensive line was not a leader. That's for nope. sure. And they spent the second quarter getting buried. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it was also the run game too. I mean, the interior was just a mess of not handling twists and not handling double teams, letting guys go early. And again, Lucas Patrick, I thought was terrible. Now I have a little hope because I think sure put Dan Feeney in there. Cause I mean, that's what you traded for. And at this point he should learn the offense because I don't know that you continually can put out that Lucas Patrick product and feel good about your quarterback. Now I want to touch on one extra detail on top of you talked about the bad snaps so one of those snaps was to the left when Fields was throwing that screen to Claypool on the right and Mm -hmm. everyone knows that one that Claypool dropped it I'm gonna give now Claypool had a lot of things that did not go well in terms of his blocking and uh, other things but I'm gonna excuse a little bit of that drop because when Fields throws that it gets tipped and you're used to catching a spiral and I don't know how that ball was and that's gonna throw some things off but if the snap is dead center, or if I'm going to throw to my right, maybe lead that way, that will shorten the throw a little bit, six inches, whatever. So the extra time it takes to catch it from your left and then turn and then throw gives the DN more time to react and get penetration and tip the ball. Like all of it goes together. Like we talked yes. about the quarterback sneak, the quarterback sneak was a disaster. Like there were so many things on top of it. I don't know that Chicago could have played a worse game on Sunday. Oh, I mean, I don't think they could have. And that I can't help but think that the worst part about the game is because eventually we got to get into previewing Buck the Bucks. We will. Mm-hmm. But especially on offense, what I think bummed me out was as much the direction and the process was poor, just as much as the results were. Like, yes. F- let's put let's talk about fields. I think fields might be one of the best encapsulators. Mm-hmm. And then we'll talk about Getsy. Sure. Wait, and we can keep this short because I think that there have been what a hundred thousand, close to a million words about fields written at this point. <laughs> so summing everything up, like to me the biggest worry about fields is that you can tell he improved from last year. Like we with fields in 2022, so much about looking forward and a bright future came from progress or projection. And in the choice between am I going to limit my bad plays or am I going to improve my good plays? It seems as if whether it was this coaching staff or fields, a lot of influence went into we are not going to take any sacks. And that's great. But yes. It is an improvement, objectively speaking, Nick. I mean, there's no way you can say that Fields played as poor a game as Josh Allen. Fields played as poor a game as Ryan Tannehill. Fields plays as poor a game as Joe Burrow. But the way Fields played, passing up as many downfield opportunities as he had, is not sustainable. It's ironic, right? Because it's not mm-hmm. about the rushing. At this point, it's more like if we don't hit those shots, we're never going to back a defense off. And if we never back a defense off, 
we're going to be in trouble. Thankfully, mm-hmm. you get more games than just week one. But <laughs> in that in that way where it was like, we improved, but what? Like with Luke Getze, okay, some pieces of the past game actually looked slightly better developed. The routes to DJ Moore in many cases weren't awful, but we took read option away from Justin Fields? Like, what? I mean, you could yeah. talk about the designed run game. Where's the option game? Like, mm-hmm. you can do, you can at least threaten that Fields could do that. But instead, yep. so many of these handoffs were true, explicit handoffs. And you're taking Justin Fields and, like, let's put it this way, Nick. From an evaluator's perspective, well, it's an interesting tape. But from a game plan perspective, that's unacceptable. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, no, 100%. I mean, I mean, you know, I, and we, I know we referenced PFF just because it's a neutral thing, but but PFF had Fields as the third best runner in, in in terms of running in all of football from Sunday. And he had one design run that got stuffed on a draw. He also had the quarterback sneak, which got stuffed. That shows you how good he is of a scrambler. Like, it's like telling Shaquille O'Neal, you're going to hit threes, okay, from the corner right. all game. That's what you're going to do. And, and hopefully it'll work. Like, it doesn't make sense. And even... Green Bay clearly wanted to contain him on those boots, and that was a big key that they had. Right, that's where two of the sacks came from. The one that frustrates me is you you have a D end out there on first and goal, and there's a there's a slight rollout after play action, and he has to dump it to Komet. Komet gets four yards, second and goal from the four. They do the same thing again with. Basically, no receivers. It might have been the worst play I, I saw in terms of a game plan. And then he gets sacked. Like th- they're clearly doing this. So run him up the middle. You can still do that. He's he can take some punishment and get down. He even did that last year. Like if they're gonna be wide, do this. Like you have to have a if this, then this happens. You have it, to you have to counter. It really felt, Nick, to me, like the Bears took what they started 2022 as, where they said, We know you can run, but we really don't want to do that. If we don't have to, whether we're scared of you getting hurt, whether we just think you're a better downfield passer, take it however you will. But we're not going to do that. And it was like they rewound all their game plans to how they started 2022. Anything we learned, throw it out. We only used that last year instead of iterating. And to me, that was just bonkers. And as we start to bleed into week two, because at this point, I bet you we could weave our week one and week two conversation together. I'll tell you what, Nick, I don't think you could ask for a better test meant halfway facetiously, but I am half serious than going up against a Todd Bowles team that right now might be one of the worst matchups for Justin Fields and this Bears offense that I think you could ask for. If only because, Nick, as you switch from okay, we play a lot of zone in Green Bay and we've got really good defensive linemen up front, especially when we get you in a true pass scenario. Now you switch to a Buccaneers front that's every bit as talented as the Tampa front, but they're going to bring an extra guy on 40% of plays. They're going to blitz. They're going to drop into fire zones as well as man coverage. So fire zone is just a six-man zone that sits behind a blitz. The picture is going to change a lot for Justin Fields. So if he thought it was tough against Green Bay, who the Bears did a decent job of catching like with cadences where you could ca- you could catch the Packers rolling and say, "Okay, that's cover 3." And then we still would <laughs> pass up yep. a throw when we saw it. Like, mm-hmm. "Oh my gosh, Fields is going to have to think quickly. Getsy's going to have to have answers." Like 
let's put it this way, Nick. This is a trial by fire. Pun halfway intended with fire zone because this Buccaneers front, I mean, it's worth also remembering that Todd Bowles just had a season that he would like to forget. And he's still proving himself as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers head coach. Like this game means a lot to Todd, especially because he had an off season where everybody told him he was tanking. So as I look at week two, dying to hear what you think from the offensive side of the ball, it is an enthralling matchup because it's not a good one for Chicago. It's we talked about this pregame yep. week one. It's a bad matchup both for Green Bay and for Tampa Bay against Chicago. But this is when you make your money. Like mm-hmm. this is when you prove that you are you're that dude in the league. Whether we're talking about Darnell Wright against Shaq Barrett, whether we're talking about Justin Fields managing what he can, or whether we're talking about Luke Getzey as an offensive coordinator. You know what I'm saying? No, yeah, I, I you, you hit it on the head. I mean. Kirk Cousins struggled against this Tampa defense. He, he threw a lot out. of yards. Yep. And he got drilled. I mean, one fumble was uh, from under center and he fumbled. I mean, let's just point this out. The Minnesota should have won that game. They outgained them by a ton. They had 2.3 more yards per play overall, but they had three turnovers. They fumbled at the 26. They fumbled at the 13. Uh, or, or I'm sorry, threw a pick at the 13. Um, and then... They they had a they actually were offsides on a field goal attempt, which allowed Tampa to continue the drive and they scored a touchdown. So they they really fumbled that away. But in terms of defense, Tampa has two great linebackers. Okay, Levante David, Devin White. You're going to see them. Okay, and their 350 pound nose tackle Vita Vea is oh God, he's awesome. Incredible. He's awesome. <laughs> now now in terms of in terms of a run game plan, I think that it we're not bad because. With the zone scheme, especially the outside zone, getting Via Veda to go sideline to sideline is much better than trying to go right at him in terms of a gap scheme. Right. So from that perspective, I think that's good. But yeah, they they drilled Cousins on a blitz he didn't see coming. They're coming from multiple angles. But a couple of things of hope. Um, their DBs did not play well in no. that game. And they have some injuries going on right now that I'd like to talk about defensively, at least. Uh, Kalijah Kansi, a guy that, we had talked about potentially with Chicago taking last year in the Stud. draft. Oh, Stud so defensive tackle. So quick, so athletic. He re-aggravated his calf injury that held him out most of training camp and did not play in the second half of that game. So it, and he hasn't practiced yet this week. So he likely, my guess is, does not play. Carlton Davis is one of the corners. He actually shadowed Justin Jefferson quite a bit. He didn't practice. He has a toe injury. So whether he does play, He'll be limited, or he might not play. And then their third, their nickel corner, uh, Christian. I'm gonna, I'm gonna butcher this. Izilin. Um, he's their nickel corner. He has a concussion and didn't practice. And I don't know if he'll be able to bounce back. So, a good pass rusher, which which helps us not having him mm-hmm. potentially. And two of their three DBs might be out. And then on top of that, Winfield, who I liked a lot coming out of the draft, um, had the worst grade of any Tampa Bay Buccaneer in the game last week. And then um, Jamel Dean, who I actually liked in free agency, not a bad corner. He had a bad game as well. So, so the DB wise, I, I'm kind of scared of them because I like them. Right. But if they play bad and they're injured, there might be more holes in the secondary than, than I envision. I'll tell you, I'm dying to know what Todd Bowles is going to do 
because watching that game in particular, because I mean, I watched a shocking amount. I can't believe I watched this much, but like 2019 to 2020, I watched a lot of Bucks defense because they were one of the best defenses shutting down the Packers. And so I wanted to get a sense for how they did anything. Right. And Todd Bowles called one of the most zone heavy games I have ever seen him call. And I think it was because of Justin Jefferson. I mean, you can't play man against that man, right? Like, especially blitz or not, like you let him run all over you, he will. And he still did. Like Jordan Addison also had himself quite a solid little game. And so I sit here looking at somebody like Winfield, somebody like Dean and ask myself, how are they going to play against Chicago? Which for better or for worse, when effort was such a question mark, especially in the later part of the game, Nick. I mean, yep. the Buccaneers have to be salivating that this could be a get-right game on defense, not mm-hmm. that we want to give it to them, right? And if there's one thing that they did so, so well, they being the Buccaneers, th- you said it perfectly. Minnesota, from an efficiency perspective, was phenomenal. So, Nick, what undid them? Don't say turnovers. The answer I'm going for is the Buccaneers force negative plays. The whole Buccaneers defense is skewed around the idea that, hey, you pick, you could pick up for four first downs. We're going to sack you. And when we do, what are you going to do about it? And I, I actually think that's a huge test for Chicago because yep. Chicago was an offense that needed all three downs last year. And nearly whenever they took a negative play, they either needed some Justin Fields magic or they punted for the most part. And so mm-hmm. it's it. It's a huge test. And I mean, that's with Logan Hall playing pretty poorly uh, in that Minnesota game. And he's a guy with plenty of pedigree. The defense to offense matchup, I would be lying, Nick, if I said it doesn't worry me. But I also can't help but think of a better test because I, as a Bears fan, don't want to relive that 2020 season where Mitch Trubisky won. No, wait, it was 2019, wasn't it? Where Mitch Trubisky won a ton of fans back because he smoked Jacksonville and he smoked Detroit and he smoked Minnesota that were just some terrible defenses at yep. the time. If you're gonna if you're gonna prove it, this is a great way to prove it. This it is. is a great way to prove it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And in Tampa Bay last year, just for reference, they were DVOA 13th best defense. And I mean, they're a solid defense. They certainly have pieces. Um, I think it's going to be interesting to see how we run against them because they're typically a better run defense than pass defense. And so this could be one of those times where it's like, okay, let's get pass heavy and let's let it rip. Because it's going to be interesting to see with with the game plan, but also with Justin. Is he going to be like, all right, screw it. Everyone didn't like that. Now I'm just going to let it rip. And then we can see the weapons do what they do. Um Especially with I the, hope so. the defensive backfield, they might be banged up too. So maybe he'll just let it go. You you have to. I mean, as much as I love the idea of what we came up with, Luke gets he did what we thought he would do. Maybe mm-hmm. Nick, it was a problem that two guys <laughs> that two guys on the internet could call out exactly what the Bears' game plan was the, going. Was to he be. listening to us? Is that what it was? May, well, I mean, it doesn't help that we also mentioned what Joe Barry would do. Getting yeah. five wide and Luke, Luke, Luke just give us a call. Okay, we'll set up this week. Yeah, we'll, we'll up, yeah. But eventually, eventually, you can't. You have to decouple your passing game from your running game. 
the the Bears ran into this issue where because they couldn't get the ball moving on first down, they couldn't get the pass game moving either. They couldn't get a play-action game moving, and then when they wanted to open up the second half with a stag play-action, they managed to make it the most obvious thing on the planet. I digress. I'm getting mad again. Uh, like, this Tampa Bay team is probably going to put an extra guy in the box, and then they're still going to send him. I mean, the this team defies common old school defensive logic. I mean, Todd Bowles is as aggressive as aggressive gets. And in a day and age of Staley shell coverages and Fangio sitting in quarters, Todd Bowles lines up and says, Hey, what five of these seven guys are coming. I'll let you know right now. One of them's blitzing. I'm not going to tell you which one. (laughs) And Uh, I mean, the the only one that's more aggressive than him is we're going to see twice this year is Brian Flores in Minnesota. So that's a whole nother thing we'll talk about, but yeah, aggressive, aggressive. And you can, when you have super talented linebackers that can cover up for a lot and blitz. Right. And you can, you can get these guys like in Tampa. If you hit big shots, you can get these guys. I will tell you right now, Nick, what I, what worries me a little bit is that Fields' general answer for a blitz has been running the football. And Mm -hmm. I think that that can have some success. Fields might have plays where that works for him, but I also can't help but think that this Tampa defense, like this front can run. It, this is something we don't talk about, right? In football conversation, we don't talk about the fact that Tampa has built their edges to chase you down. Like they know the blitz is going to get people moving. So they have to have guys that are going to run and go get you. And that's okay. Like Justin Fields is one of the fastest quarterbacks in the NFL, but this isn't Preston Smith coming after you, right? This is Shaq Shaq Barrett. Like this is Logan Hall. These are lighter, faster guys. And so I'm going to butcher the name too, but you have, you have first round pick two years ago, Joe Tyron. Oh man. I forgot he's there. (laughs) <laughs> I can do that one, but but another first round pick. So you you have but you have a lot of potential on that line as well. And all I want to see personally, like ah, I hate this because I do think that Justin Fields' success has to come from being a dual threat. Like you can't just stash him in the pocket the way that you can some other quarterbacks that have athleticism. But if there's a game to to do that, we've got to hit some hot routes. Like I remember there's a corner blitz that a lot of people have talked about already. So you've probably heard this before, but the corner blitz that Justin Fields spun out of and created a first down, the bears didn't even sight adjust that hot route. Claypool yeah. called it out. So if they yeah. had a sight adjust, he would have executed it and just sat that route down and fields would have thrown it. Fields actually talked a lot in the off season about how they worked on their hot routes. And I sure hope they did Nick. Because when the Packers brought extra pressure, they didn't actually have an answer. And it forced Fields to hold the ball a little bit longer because he saw everybody coming and processed what he was going to do with it. I don't think Tampa's going to give you that kind of time. This is a team that has tuned up. Another thing that doesn't get talked about enough, Nick, is the teams that don't blitz, like the Bears, for instance. As much as I would love for Allen Williams to just turn up the blitz rate, the Bears haven't practiced it like Tampa has. Like Mm -hmm. Tampa has their snap counts down. Tampa has disguises on disguises for running their blitzes because blitzing is what they do. You come to Tampa, you learn to blitz and you learn to blitz well. And the plays are all built around it with the bears. You're going to know Kyler's coming because everybody else is five yards off the line of scrimmage. And for some reason, Kyler Gordon's pushed up on the line. What's he doing? Looking in at the ball. You know what I mean? Well, and, and, and there's, so there's two things here. One is, if they do blitz, though, 
that's when big plays can happen even fields with running as well or screens or you're talking about maybe hitting the seams they're really vulnerable in the middle of the field against minnesota the other thing i want to mention this is something you mentioned i believe prior to the season starting is one thing the fields did not do on sunday that he needs to do the rest of the year is when he does scramble keep his eyes downfield because there were multiple times i saw more and i think mooney multiple times he could have just even a five, 10 yard pass to them. And now they're beyond where the defenders are when they're trying to tackle you. Yes. And it's a big game potentially. So he needs to keep his eyes up. I know, I know you're great at running. It's and so I, hard. I, it's I mean, so I get hard. it. It'd be it, right. It'd be like LeBron driving down the lane. Like, Oh, I'm going to dish it to the guys open underneath, but he's open. Hit him. And to use that LeBron example, he does like, we don't need to make this some crazy basketball metaphor, but you have to be able to attack in multiple ways because that's what basically freezes defenders little by little over time. And mm-hmm. I mean, there's plenty of other things when it comes to feel like, let's put it this way, Nick, could we make this a quarterback show? Could we talk about all the things that Justin Fields did wrong? Could we talk about th- complex things like the fact that Fields' drop tempo is weirdly slow? Like, yeah. and it's it doesn't seem like it's getting faster. Could right. we? Could we? Or, or a good athlete. Could we talk about what happened with, or like everything that JTO Sullivan talked about in his latest breakdown? Like we could, but at the end of the day, Fields is going to prove it with his play next week, or the week after that, or the week after that. Or the week after that, he's got 17 games, Nick. Like, and the whole fan base could be out on Justin Fields by week four. You can do that. They will right. continue to give him games. And if he reels you back in by week 10, he, he'll have the ability. Like, he may have the ability to do that because he'll get given the leash. You know what I mean? And, and here's something to think about. Right now, Justin Fields is on pace for 3,600 passing yards and 1,000 rushing yards. And we're freaking out. It's right. not like it's not like Jay Cutler's first game. You remember Jay Cutler's first game, Robert? Uh, Four picks yeah, against I know. Green Bay. Four. I, I I agree with you in spirit, but man, I will never get amped up, Nick. Like you're catching me at the wrong time because I will never get amped up about the Bears losing a game. Yeah, it doesn't hurt. It does not help anything that it's the Packers. But when they lose these games, they're over before the final whistle. That drives me crazy. They played nearly a quarter and a half where both teams had mutually agreed that the game was over. Like yep. even that drive at 24 to six that ended in the Mooney touchdown is debatable. Like it counts on the NFL score sheet and I'm never going to try to take it away. Right. Mm-hmm. But you end up with these, you end up with stat lines that in my opinion, don't reflect the tone of the game. And that's okay. Like, the stats count, whatever. Like it's like it's like the uh, the Heisman stats for when you, Alabama beats Chattanooga, right? It's like it still counts in the right. in the wide world of all these awards. But I don't want to paint a picture of acceptability or statistical success. I guess we did talk about statistical success early yeah, in the awesome. season, but it's gotta it's gotta come with some wins. If Fields so- does throw for. 3,300 yards and uh, 1,000 rushing yards, but it all comes in garbage time, which would surprise me. But if he did, I don't think either of us are actually going to be happy with that. Right, right. No, I, I don't disagree with you, but I just think, again, we're going to back off the panic button a little bit. I, I'd, I'd like to check defense. If, if so, so One defense, more comment. One, one. one more thing, because I think you're sure. bringing up something really important. Last year, Fields was really good at what he was really good at, and he took way too many negative plays. And in this last game, if Fields showed us anything, 
It is how statistically successful you can be, not making negative plays, but not making positive plays, maybe at those <laughs> that expense. Like yep. to use maybe my favorite example, that sale route that we've all seen that DJ Moore ran. You hit that thing on time. I'm not even playing Nick. DJ Moore, who's done this plenty of times, is one broken tackle away from a potential touchdown. Like that could I, be a huge strike. I think, I mean, XP times it out, right? He actually might not even have to mess with that defender. He really might not. Defender. Like yeah, he may he just run up the field. Instead, yeah. we got eight yards. You know what? On the stat sheet, eight yard completion, we, we like it. Like yep. that's fine. It's not, chains. it's not a bad play, but it's like that old economic uh, term, opportunity yep. cost. Like mm-hmm. what we gave up to get those exactly. eight yards hurts. And Fields, I wouldn't be surprised, worked all offseason to do a better job at not taking these like drive crippling sacks. I think I'm down. Like, Nick, if we see Fields attack every open receiver and he throws two picks, but he completes seven balls in the process. And the Bears end up winning this game, maybe 27 to some contentious like 24, 25 or something like that. I'll live with it. That's nonlinear development. That's getting closer to what we want. But I'll tell you just just before we talk defense, if we end up reviewing the tape, Nick, and Fields turn down all of his downfield shots again, like another 100 to 80% turn down rate, I am going to get lowercase w worried. Probably. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause it's, cause then, then he's broken. Cause he's not who he is. He's again, that's the thing. He's, he's a guy that, I mean, we can review this from, from college to early Chicago. He's good at throwing down the field, accurately down the field. And have he's a seen, good runner. Have you seen the aggressive I mean, percentage stat, Nick? Do you know what yeah, I'm talking about? I've seen it. Yeah. I've seen so it. 2021, for those who don't, uh, Next Gen Stats uh, charts what's called the an aggressiveness percentage. It is the percentage of passes that a quarterback throws into what's considered tight coverage. And as rookie, Justin Fields had a top 10% aggressive throw percentage. Uh, that was with Matt Nagy. In 2022, conspicuously, Nick, what changed, I wonder? Justin Fields was suddenly last in aggressive throw percentage with roughly a 9.7% aggressive throw percentage. Justin Fields... On week one's game was a 2.7% aggressive throw percentage. Wide last. Last by a large margin. I don't know if you're seeing the trend I am, Nick. But you could say Fields has to own this regardless. Like regardless if, if somebody failed him from the coaching perspective or if he did not grow correctly, it still ultimately will fall on him, which sucks. That's the nature of the business. But it sure feels like. Fields getting some stuff coached out of him. And oh, yeah. I think that's a real, if that ends up being the story we're telling at the end of the season, it'll be a damn shame. You know what yeah. I mean? Well, cause, well, I'm in, and sadly, I love Justin. He won't be the quarterback next year. If that's the case, but it, it feels more to me like what you said, where they're like, okay, we have a whole off season. We're going to build you like we did the first four or five weeks and not what we had the rest of the year. That's what it feels like. Mm-hmm. And I get it a little bit because you have way better weapons and in theory, a better line if they would play better, but you have to let people, good coaches coach to players strengths. They don't try to, okay, we're going to fix all these weaknesses. And now you're going to be 
He's not going to be Joe Burrow. He's a Josh Allen type. And we saw on Monday, Josh Allen has bad games because he's trying to play hero, but he's doesn't care about his body. He can make crazy plays, crazy throws. His first touchdown, he's scrambling, going to get hit, and he just goes, whoop, touchdown. Like, Josh Allen can do that. Joe Burrow doesn't do that. Joe Burrow is very clean, timed out, Drew Brees-like, anticipation, all that stuff. Let Justin Fields be who he is. And within that, I mean, I, I think that there are some offensive platitudes. I mean, I guess it's a coaching platitude. But beyond that, Nick, let's let's – rephrase what you just said because you said let's coach to players strengths absolutely Mm -hmm. beyond that let's iterate and make sure that our scheme is challenging opposing defenses or challenging opposing offenses this is my secret segue into talking about the bears defense because baker mayfield is not a bad enough quarterback to where if you give him the time that Justin or that Jordan Love had, that he won't turn in a similar performance. Do you disagree? I mean, it was the film was bad. I'll say this much, okay? Andrew Billings, boss. You you looked you looked bad in the oh. preseason. You looked bad in the preseason. Oh, but you were awesome. Oh my you, gosh. You were, He's Almost like extension worthy. Like oh, if yeah, there's a yeah. week one overreaction, I mean, it's I mean, like... I mean, <laughs> penetration in the run, penetration in the pass game. I mean, Jordan Love got pressured. I think on three, three snaps, snaps. and all three did not go well for him. That shows you. And again, we don't know who Jordan Love is pressured because that's really the NFL is what you do when you're pressured. Drove and, me insane. And, Nick. And the other one was, did you see Demarcus Walker? Yes. Just smoke Elgin Jenkins. I was like. So Once. what is it in there? You know, like, uh, but 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 I was really disappointed with. I think Zach Pickens had a decent game for a rookie, but I was disappointed with the edges. I think, and and even in the run go game, off. not just go the pass off. game, go off. The, the the run game they got washed, and then it's like, well, there's this big hole now. It's like if you're going to be a run defending the end, you got you can't let Luke Musgrave dig you out. You have to close so down bad. that gap, and you need to help on the interior. So the so the DNs, in my opinion, sucked. Um, okay, we Edwards and Edmonds did not have good games either. Now I don't think that they got a lot of help, but I think a lot of communication. I think a lot of zones. A lot of, you know, Brisker also with zones. Stevenson, you know, the Musgrave big touchdown that was kind of on him. Like, there's a lot going on there. But at least Stevenson, I think, gave a crap. He's the one that chased down Aaron Jones on that screen. You you can see those guys flying all over. He wants to hit people. I thought Eddie Jackson had a decent game. I know some people have been, like, talking poorly of him. I thought he had a good game. Well, Jackson did this thing that people hate. Where when you're a safety and you blow something very early, like that Tampa two play where he allowed uh Dobbs, I guess it was just normal cover two, but like the the Dobbs touchdown where he allowed Dobbs, or Dobbs to cross his face. Well, nobody's going to see Eddie Jackson for the rest of the game because it's the broadcast angle and he plays deep safety. So mm. we're just going to make the assumption that Eddie Jackson sucked because that makes me more comfortable. I see it all the time with safeties. I thought Brisker played way better than I anticipated he would. He, he made some serious steps, like anticipatory in coverage. Not the grandest in the world, because safeties don't get a ton of chances. I'll tell you what, in my opinion, Nick, this is where we're going to get into like grading and how do you grade a position. Yeah. Yeah. I thought the linebackers got hung out to dry 
for the most of this game. Yep. Like when the edges were soaking nobody, like what, am I really going to get that upset? Because Tremaine Edmonds, who I know can't take on a block, has to take on offensive linemen. Am I going to get that mad when TJ Edwards gets a pulling center in his face, like two steps mm-hmm. past the hole? Like you can't win like that on the ground. You'll do the best that you can. And maybe you, I, you may disagree, which is fine. I think linebackers have things tougher than any position in the NFL right now because truly more is asked of them than just about anybody else. But it was the Bears' third down pass rush where they would put Dom Rob and, you know, Raseem Green and whatever Justin Jones had left in the tank because Justin Jones practically played Marathon Man the entire game. Like, he's one of the only defensive linemen that didn't come out. And Demarcus Walker would then kick inside. Like, that set had nothing you could line them up as wide as you want to and alan williams seemed to just get a little wider and a little wider as the game went on didn't matter nothing doing man like man do the bears miss any some kind of pass rusher on uh third downs and if they don't if they don't come up with some kind of plan nick like again i just refuse to believe that baker who would you true or false statement i'm gonna flip this back to you Baker, requisite NFL quarterback, go. Um, I, okay, I, I didn't mind Baker coming out. I think Baker is a gunslinger. I think Baker can be anticipatory. He can hit things that are open. I think Baker can make some stupid decisions too. Mm-hmm. But I think he's he's a below average starting quarterback. I, I don't think he's trash. Would you call that I a think benchmark NFL starter? Probably. Probably. I, I mean, I mean, he made some he made some solid throws against Minnesota watching did. that game. I yes, was like, I was like, oh, okay. I mean, and they dropped it, or I mean to seal that game, he drilled the third and ten. I mean, it was it was a little wide, well, but he hit it to to win the game. I do think, Nick, so being in Chicago, we fall in love with whoever's playing for us, as we should, as any team should. And man, you watch every other game. To use that exact example, Baker drills an anticipation out route to close the game. Great catch by Chris Godwin. It is worth remembering that this is a Tampa team that has two very sweet uh, receiving weapons, and Godwin's mm-hmm. actually healthy off the ACL now. So it's yep. it'll be interesting to see what the Bears do defensively. But beyond that, Derek Carr in the New Orleans game, to seal the deal on third and five, launched a missile down the left-hand sideline because Nick, when it's open, it's open in the NFL. Like the NFL quarterback, and I know you know this because we love this position, is brutal. And if you won't take that, okay, maybe this will click for any of my NF or my F1 fans, or at least Netflix's drive to survive. Um, and if Nick, if this goes over your head, trust me, I'll bring it in. I am out. Then no clue. So in racing, they call it a gap. And if you're not willing to take the gap where you might overtake another racer, the moment you're not willing to put your car on the line to try and make that move, you're done in in racing. And in the same way in the NFL, if you see that chance and you're not willing to take it, you generally don't last long at NFL quarterback because there are a lot of guys in this league that, again, third and six to close the game. We're going to throw something 40 yards in the air. Third and 10 to close the game. We're going to throw this well before Chris is broken. And you know what? If it gets picked, it gets picked. Like, NFL quarterback is hard. Because at the end of the day, if you're not willing to take those chances, Nick, you're just not going to last long in the NFL. Right. And with Baker, too, 
here's where he takes too many chances. Okay. And, and, and I'm sure you watched some of the highlights. Baker, he's got a lot of swag to him in terms of attitude and lowers his shoulder on some runs. And I mean, that's one thing I was scared of when Justin Fields scrambled the one time he decided to lower his shoulder on Rasul Douglas. It's like, just slide or like try to run around him. Like, I don't want you lowering your shoulder. Baker is on the injury report. His right shoulder, he practiced in full. His right shoulder was what what the thing was in terms of the injury, his throwing shoulder. Right. So while I like that you're a competitor and I like that you got that in you, I don't want my quarterback having that on the injury report. So while I think he can make a bunch of the throws, if he does get hit, uh, sorry, if the Bears pass rush touches him <laughs> and then he gets hit or there's something going on with the injury thing that could really affect their passing game. It really could. And I'll tell you from the offense's perspective, I didn't see anything in Tampa's offensive game plan that really made me go, wow, these guys, these guys rule. It's more like it felt to me like Tampa's offense floundered and flailed. And then Chris, Chris Evans, or what was it? Chris Evans. Mike Evans did something. Whoa. Like they, they feel like they're living off of the explosive plays that they were able to create with their big dogs. And Maybe that remains with the Bears. It felt like the Bears actually did a pretty bang-up job stopping the run. Kudos to you, number 97. You were phenomenal. And I thought Tremaine Edmonds did a really good job stretching side to side. And Tyreek Stevenson and Jalen Johnson pulled more weight than they usually do. uh, Or at least than I've seen a lot of Bears corners pull in the run game. So maybe Mm -hmm. the Bears are able to track that down. But I mean, gosh, Nick, let me ask you. Bold face, like the Buccaneers and the Bears on those critical third downs. Do you think the Bears defense ha- is going to play that badly on third down again? Like, do you think that this is a systemic issue or do you think that it's just a matter of miscommunications? I think it's a matter of miscommunications. One thing that's really going to hurt is it sounds like Kyler Gordon broke his hand, not having him in there. Cause man, he made that one play on that out was Stunt. phenomenal. And he's someone that I think you really count on, but here's one thing that I think is going to be in our favor and it's Tampa Bay's running game. It's bad. So one thing people don't know, Ryan Jensen, a really good center. He's done for the year. He's on IR and I, multiple of their interior alignment are bad. Tristan Wirfs is good. Uh, but multiple of their alignment are bad and their run game was bad last year. So one statistic that I really like an advanced statistic is called yards per carry over expected. So people go through this stat or, or every play and they watch the front, how people perform, how the blockers perform. And they say, okay, you should get 1.5 yards here, one yard here, three yards here, etc." Okay. Rashad white is terrible in this statistic last year as a rookie he was the worst in the nfl this year now again one game only one game he's last in the nfl among qualifiers you have to have so many carries right he averaged negative 2.4 yards per carry under expected and with a battle line already That's something that doesn't fear me. So then that makes me think that the third downs are going to be longer for Tampa, which makes them a little bit easier to defend if you're Chicago. It should. I mean, the Bears certainly got enough reps on third and long. And if anything, I'm amazed at how commonly Green Bay was able to exploit space. But you're also not up against Matt LaFleur every single weekend. You Now, granted, 
you faced Matt LaFleur without any receivers. So you ended up with guys like Jaden Reed and Luke Musgrave taking advantage of busts, busts and miscues in coverage. And obviously, Nick, I think both of us would agree that any optimism re- relating to this Bears defense has much more to do with faith in the talent, I think anyways, than yes. like a particular love for let's not pressure the opponent. Their mistakes mm-hmm. will come to us. I think right. it is playing a dangerous game. Right. right. Well, well, a couple other parts to this too is is I think Minnesota's defense is bad this yeah. year. I mean, they're bad <laughs> talent wise. I know they're going to blitz a bunch, but they held Tampa overall to three point six yards per play. And they and t- you talked about third down and why I'm hopeful. Tampa was six of seventeen on third down against oh a bad gosh. Minnesota defense. So overall, I just think that they're not a great defense. And I know that they they won the game and they got you know a couple of conversions, but I just, nothing fears me there. The only matchup that I'm worried about, and you had talked about this, is their defense against our offense. Oh, yeah. I mean, if anything, I feel like this evens it up. I'll tell you that I actually think Jalen Johnson, so it's going to depend on how they want to use Mike Evans. Mike Evans versus an injured Josh Blackwell is a matchup I hate. And and the Bears aren't going to shift their corners. So if Tampa wants to put Evans in the slot, they'll have all the, you know, world or they'll have all the ability in the world to do so and if not they could just leave chris godwin there because that's where he's eaten a lot of yardage but evans versus jalen johnson is one of the better matchups for the bears defense it's -hmm. as good as you're gonna get at the very least right and then tyreek stevenson could very well hang in there on his own i mean we're talking bigger physical corners against a bigger physical receiver it's strength on strength as opposed to strength on or like somebody who's going to try to blow past Jalen Johnson, which is usually going to give him trouble. If he can't get his hands on him, that would have been Christian Watson. So when it comes to the bucket, I can't help but feel like this game, honestly, Nick is going to be pretty grindy on both sides. Like what, what I feel like would be, we just got to call it out. Right. Oh gosh. Am am I an old head defensive coach, Nick? Because I was about to say we can't turn the ball over. Like, I mean, we have to be willing to turn the ball over, but holy smokes, a strip sack is going to hurt in this game. Like against Kansas City, do what you got to do. Like you have to act like the opposing offense is about to score on you. And if you don't make a play, then you're already out of the game. Like a punt. Yeah. How about this? I'll take this back. And, and, And I know you're much younger than I am, but other Bears fans will remember this play. Chicago Bears defense, mid-2000s, was pretty good. They played Tampa Bay. The Bears couldn't score, so you're relying on the defense. And Alex Brown, against Chris Sims, quarterbacking for Tampa, comes around the edge, and he swipes the ball, and he fumbles, and it's there. And I think Lance Briggs dives on it. And so then they have, like, a couple downs to, like, punch in and, like, you know, get two yards. And I think Bears won, like, 10 to seven or something that game, but like, that's what it reminds me of. You're right. Because it's like, you don't know what to expect from the offense. Last year, they had one month where they scored the most points. And then last week they looked bad and, and I don't, and our defense is not great. We'll just say that their offense doesn't look great. So like, there's really, I don't know what to expect. I really like a lot of the bears defensive talent, which Mm -hmm. sometimes I feel like doesn't shine through Nick, because not not the defensive line. Not the defensive line. Not the defensive line. But like, I'm still so disappointed by what we saw on Sunday. I think that's the word. Like, I'm not mad, but I'm deeply disappointed (laughs) because Mm -hmm. I really expected the scheme to take 
a to me this scheme is ignorant of the defense of the defensive talent you have to me a coach that is playing to his defense's strengths would have at least acknowledged that we are not going to get pressure with this front four and yes. to continue to act like Raheem Green and Dom Rob perfectly fine backup edges if that's the direction you want to go like but to act like those guys are going to win for you on the edge in the NFL to me is not a multi-million dollar decision and defensive oh. coordinator is a multi-million dollar job Nick that's a that's a terrible idea well one one debate too here I think that we need to talk about so you mentioned Josh Blackwell injured and for people that don't know didn't practice hamstring injury uh which is odd because I didn't hear about that initially no. but Josh Blackwell <laughs> Josh Blackwell is our backup nickel so now we're third string nickel potentially if he doesn't play. And one thing that I saw floated out there, which I don't like from Courtney Cronin, ESPN, was what if Tyreek Stevenson, who has experience, goes in and plays nickel corner? And I'm then glad have you asked, two- Nick, because right. I would hate that with a burning I would too. passion. Yes, like, slot is so hard. You put yeah. Tyreek Stevenson, having practiced exclusively on the outside file, in the nickel, and Chris Godwin is going to hang two touchdowns and 110 yards on a rookie that has functionally never practiced at this point. Like, Alex Bars, going way back. Alex Bars, yes. Pot, friend of the pot. Like, uh... He, like, going all the way back to 2020, played his first game ever at center in the NFL, which happens. I mean, first of all, there's usually at least needs surrounding it. But while snapping is irregular, offensive line is offensive line to some degree. I don't think it gets talked about enough how different using the sidelines and everything that comes with playing outside corner is from slot. Because slot, you have to know every angle. Nick, it is cruel out there. You got to know where your linebackers have you covered. You got to know where they don't. And if you get beat, there's too much space for you to get beat. Last year, shockingly, um, and the 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 name is 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 Kyle Hamilton. There we go. I had a brain fart. Kyle Hamilton played slot for Baltimore and did phenomenally, which was such an outlier because most of them the slot slot receivers. Okay, we always think of those as little guys, right? Because they have to be low to the ground because they could go left, right, any direction. So your corners need to be similar size because you're always matching, you're reacting. Tyreek Stevenson's tall and he doesn't have as good change of direction. That's why he's better on the outside. That's why he struggled with that when he played at Georgia before he transferred to Miami. When he was in the nickel, he struggled there. So I would not like that from one. I don't think he'd be successful there. For two, continue the development that you've already built yes. on with a guy at outside corner. You want to get, you don't want to Kyler Gordon, this thing where he's here, then he's there, then he's yes. here, then he's there. And you don't get progress. I could see Tyreek Stevenson. I really could Nick actually succeeding in the nickel. Like I, I liked his star tape a little mm. bit like okay. at Georgia, you'd have to architect the role a little bit differently, but because like you're talking about, about you'd have a slot that could get hands on people and has the explosiveness to chase you down. I mean, his speed, when he hits his top gear, it's pretty impressive. Like we saw him run down Aaron Jones. That's Tyreek, who came all the way across the field to take Aaron Jones out of bounds. For me, it's the lack of practice. And let's just call it what it is, Nick. The the stakes on this game. We talked about stakes in last week, and now everybody's pointing fingers at each other. Obviously, this game meant a lot to the team, and it felt like it hit them hard. This is Mm -hmm. your response game. And worse... I know everybody's going to pretend. Okay, so two big lies 
right, Nick? Uh, line number one, that players don't read the media clippings. Yes, they do. It's why Mitch it's why Mitch suggested that they turn the TVs uh-huh. off. Ryan Pohl said he even looks at Twitter some. Right. Lie number two. Oh, we don't focus on what's coming up in the schedule. Yes, you do. Like you you at least give it some thought. And remind me, Nick, who who do they play next week? Uh well, after Tampa, they play Kansas City, unfortunately, who Chris Jones just ended his holdout. Yep. And so Chris Jones, would you believe it? Has a week and a half. To get into play shape, which is exactly yep. what Tariq Cohen just said about like his own comeback potentially with Carolina, that it could take up to a week and a half for a signed player to get back into play shape. He'll be so fresh just in time for the Bears game. That's fine. Like it doesn't, it's not some death knell, but it kind of means you gotta get you kind of gotta win this one. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. This is yeah, because because this is a big game, and then Kansas City, which I mean, I think people already marked that down as an L, which you never know and how things you happen. Know. You play the game but for then, a reason. Then it's Denver and it's Washington. You got a bunch of tough defenses coming up, you got a bunch of tough games, and we gotta start winning some games, or else more finger pointing, more negative media, more things about fields because everything is apparently his fault. Like you we have to get some positive, and this so, is the get right game. If there is one thing, Nick, that I will say, we've said a couple things about Justin Fields, but I want to point something out that I think is really critical. Like, to me, wanting to fire Getze, and especially wanting to fire Matt Eberflus, is not a defense of Justin Fields. The scary part for Fields is that this is already coach number two. And so his resume so far is whatever he's put on tape. And if... Un- under an unbelievably bad season, Matt Eberflus did lose his job. It's it would be a big ask, don't you think, for a head coach to walk onto the roster and not want to change a quarterback, right? Yeah, well, because if if he if he goes, I mean, you have to have such a high pick, and it would be tough to to go down that road. And, I, yeah, I I don't really want to go down that road. I I'm think not we'll asking you to, early. Nick. I, the only know. the only reason I even bring it up is purely to talk about how the wins matter. Like right now. Yes. Unless fields has a season where once again, the bears lose the the only world in which the bears lose a lot of games and the coaching staff gets fired, but fields is remains the franchise quarterback would be him absolutely sparkling just like he did last year, but somehow still losing a bunch of games, which seems to me just unlikely. I mean, it's possible, but it feels to me like this was a team that was built to be a little bit more balanced. And so mm-hmm. if they can put points on the board, I would imagine that, ugh, I don't know, man, because as I say this, it's like, well, defense did not help us much last game. No. <laughs> That's for sure. And if you can't rush the yeah. passer, like it's one thing for us to say in the off season, like, oh, well, the edge unit looks pretty bad. But then you put out a performance like they did last week, three pressures, three pressures. And truly, it can't, be, it can't be that bad. You can't be that bad. Uninspiring play. <laughs> it's at edge where they could have been five second pockets. They weren't, but they could have well, been. Well, and one of your pressures is from your nose tackle, the guy that's not supposed to get pressure. Right. That's I, one of them. He was beasting. Oh, he was, Andrew Billings yeah. was beasting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I just, for me, I can't help but think that the Bears, ironically, like, yes, of course, all eyes are going to be on the Bears offense. If Baker hangs 24 on this Bears defense, that's going to be a tough, tough pill to swallow. Like, it's the Tampa home opener. They may bring it a little bit more than they brought in Minneapolis. I never know when it comes to these things. 
But man, like Bears defense, in my opinion, has got to keep Tampa under 20. What do you think? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And well, you can't be 0-3. If we just talk about it from that perspective, you cannot start the season 0-3. You start 0-3, then there's no chance for playoffs. I mean, et cetera. So this is this is the one thing to, okay, let's realign. Things happened. And who knows? Fields could go gangbusters, whatever. The defense could wake up. Um, but yeah, I you can't have we talked about this in the post game. After Green Bay scored a touchdown on the first drive, it went through my head the nightmares of like. I hope we score a touchdown. It didn't even happen in the first half. We had to wait till the second half to get a touchdown. So I think it's one of those things where I think we need to start the game positively. We need to, I mean, yes. they actually have a decent returner too. Who I was concerned about our special teams covering units. We cannot let a lot of returns or let, I don't know, they let Tampa quite start, a few. start every drive at like the 40 going in, which is what it felt like in Green Bay. Like you need to win where possessions start. But yeah, I, I mean, 20 Hopefully we'd score more than 20, but you cannot let them score 27 points. Oh, I mean, to me, that would be unacceptable because I'm with you. Minnesota's defense isn't talented enough for you to get outgained like that. If, if, and it's possible, I mean, with the way that the Bears play relatively passive zones down the field that these guys have been playing against since high school, that does, we don't talk enough about that. Right. Match coverage. There's only so much that a quarterback can do because when a zone turns into man, like you've still got an NFL defender on an NFL offensive player. But when you're playing spot drop zone, Baker Mayfield has been repping this his entire life. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, middle school ball, you're getting cover two. Right. Like high school ball, you're getting cover three. Like he he knows it. He knows where he's going when he sees it. And Within that, Nick, if you allow 10 more points, or I guess it would be seven more points than Minnesota's defense, to me, it will suggest that this plan of building outside in, so building your DB room and then getting to your defensive line, is just foundationally flawed. Because to me, this is one of the easier offenses the Bears have on the schedule. I mean, would you agree with that? Like, big time. And here, here's one thing too. And, and I, I just pulled this up and because I saw it and I was pleasantly surprised. So again, I'm going to reference PFF. Tyreek Stevenson was the 26th best corner in the NFL in week one overall. And Tyreek and Jalen Johnson was 31st. Those are two top 32 corners. So like you only get one of those per, per se on a team. So that right there gives you a little bit of confidence going up against some good receivers here. And if that can, again, harness what Baker did, because I can't even tell you who the corners are in Minnesota. It's that bad over there. It's I know, bad. I know Harrison Smith's in the back end, but I cannot tell you who the corners are, but if your corners are a little bit better, I know slot, I know they're going to live in there and they're going to play in that game, but that's fine. You're going to have, Edmonds and Edwards to help mask a little bit of that. We have to harness that passing game and let them run because we know they're bad at it. Like this is the game where, yeah, I mean, if the Bears, they're not going to shut them out. If the Bears hold them to 14 or less, it wouldn't be shocking. No, it wouldn't. And if they hold them to 14 or less, win the Dagum game. Like, oh, yes. there's, I, I feel like at the end of the day, winning is something. This, this reminds me a lot, Nick. Actually, as we start to head into our final predictions and our final thoughts on this game, I remember our schedule prediction video, which already looks like it could be off. (laughs) But 
in our schedule prediction video, I loved how we started it because we didn't treat Green Bay like it was a foregone conclusion. We, we treated Green Bay like it was a requirement, if that yes. makes sense, where yes. you have to beat that team. And then on the assumption that they can beat this team, the rest of these games can follow. We did not beat that team. Not only that, we lost pretty emphatically. You have to be able to beat this one because the yes. NFL is a week to week league until you're one of those teams that is not week to week enough and you're good enough to play NFL football, you know, because you you could put on the Jersey and you can get on the plane. But when you like green Bay, this is a tough pill to swallow. Nick green Bay is still in the bottom half of the offenses that the bears are going to face this season. Like mm -hmm. Minnesota is dangerous and Detroit is dangerous. That's before yep. I mentioned Kansas City. The Broncos have pieces. So far, they don't look like Mr. Unlimited, but the talent is there <laughs> to potentially turn into something. There's just a few too many. I thought Jimmy Garoppolo was kind of dealing in the game against the Broncos. I mean, and that's a solid defense too. You got Sertan's good. Exactly. Like, and maybe, maybe I didn't watch quite closely enough, but like, if Jordan Love, all he's got to do is play on time and make quick decisions, and he can hit rookies and second stringers like for big gains, we got to fix this. Yeah, we yeah. we got to fix this because right. it gets harder. <laughs> it does. It does. It does. But but as we talked about, so let's let's go back a little bit. The the prediction show I talked about rest, right? Yes. So. Tampa Bay ended their game three hours before Chicago ended their game. So that would be a positive. However, Tampa Bay had to travel from Minnesota back home, right? So, but then Chicago has to travel down to Tampa Bay. So I don't know if that evens out a bit or not. This your is, prediction? Nick, I'm going to say something hyperbolic. I'm going to give you the chance to reel me in, or I'm going to give you the chance to agree. Maddie Bifluce is 3 and 15. This shouldn't matter. This shouldn't matter. But when you get blown out at home, it matters a little bit, right? It's that whole like, hey, man, I forgive you. Hey, man, I forgive you. Hey, man, I forgive you. Nah, nah. Remember when you did that? Like, it's mm -hmm. it's like changing your mind and holding something to it. I'm not saying it's fair. I think that for the team, it feels like the locker room needs this one. And yeah. I don't like that vibe, to be honest with you. I wish that the team had given us the impression. Am I asking too much, Nick? I wish the team had come out and said, we laid an egg. That sucked. But it happens. We're going to be fine next week. It did not feel like they convinced me that they thought that they just played badly, if that makes sense. Well, I, I, did, I did hear a press clipping. I can't remember who it was. They talked about they, they were too confident in practice. And so this could be a good thing. I mean, I'll tell you what, all of my coaching career, I always feel better in terms of, you know, like learning after loss. I am so motivated after a loss. After a win, you're yes. not as motivated. At least that's right. just how I'm how I'm wired. There's some people I know they might shut down and they might whatever. But like that night, you know, I'll I'll watch the game, whatever. But I might already start be game planning that night for the next opponent instead of just fixing what happened that game. Cause I was like, Okay. Nope. Nope. I gotta, I gotta find, I gotta start finding some things, some motions, right. some tendencies that they have. So to me, I, I want to see a bunch of pissed off players yes. and if Tampa is positive and Hey, we won and we weren't supposed to win and they got a few injuries kind of popping up. I know we got Gordon, but if they, if they lose, 
they lose Cansey, less pressure on fields, and they lose one of the corners, that's huge. So let's, just, let's call it what it is, Nick. The right. Bears are still healthier than the other team across from them. They yes. entered last Sunday shockingly healthier than the other team across from them, given that it was week one, and you're thinking you can get your roster to the starting line at the yes. very least. with. Right. With the Bears where they're at now, they are, they've still got a little bit of a health advantage, if you ask me. And like you're saying, from a motivation perspective, you think they've probably got a little bit of advantage. The only wild card to me is that I don't think Todd Bowles is in a position to take any win for granted. And I bet you he circled a couple of these just as, as games that he needed. I don't think you're going to get a lollygagging Tampa Bay Buccaneers team. Is basically yeah. what I'm trying to say. No college well, and, game, and this is at and this is at Tampa. College game, this is a trap. But in the NFL, I think the Bears still get the Buccaneers' best as this roster for for the Bucks. Just trying to play both sides. Be fair, right? I bet you that Bucks roster is sitting there on the plane thinking nobody thought we could do this, and that's why we're going to do it again next week, right? Mm -hmm. So you're getting two motivated teams with a lot on the line. It should be a fun football game. Like it, well, it should be. Okay. So do you, do you want to go first? You want me to go first? I'll go first. Okay. My head says, I don't know how the bears offense flummoxes the bucks defense, but my heart says they've got to win. And I'm rolling with my heart on this one. I think the bears finagle 20 points out and that they're able to hold the Buccaneers to, I'll say, 16 points, where the Bears go bend, don't break, and they don't give it up on the goal line. So once things start to pack in, the zones get that much more condensed, and they literally force three field goals and a touchdown. And that Fields, despite one, this, I'm going to go with despite one fumble and one interception deep down the field, is able to, I actually think, Fields may not fix Twitter with the game that I have in mind because I bet I think this is a game where Fields runs for 120 yards if the Bears are going to win like that's probably the way Fields would try to handle it and so you'll get like a 190 in the passing game you'll get like 120 on the rushing game and people go dadgum Justin Fields rules uh and they win 20 to 17 please 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 Nick don't let me go down the darkest timeline where this game ends up like 21-13 in a relatively convincing Bucks win. I have to mention that one because that that's sitting yeah, in my yeah, head. Yeah. What? So, Go hard. So you're going, 20, you're going 2017 or 2016? Because you said both. It's 2016. I like 16. better. Like the, okay. the field goals one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get it. I get it. Um, so, well, hold on. How many field goals? You got you count. So it's touchdowns. To seven. So it's one touchdown and, and three, three field goals. goals. Oh boy. Okay. And that, yeah. that that's what the bears allow. And then yeah, on the yeah, other yeah. side of the ball, the bears get two touchdowns and two field goals. So four scoring drives from each. Mm -hmm. So I am, um, I'm going to go less for Tampa Bay. And that's simply because how many times has Baker had two good games in a row in his career lately? Like he flamed out with the Rams and he had that one drive flamed out in Carolina flamed out in Cleveland. He just had a good game on the road to start in Tampa. I mean, good. Wasn't amazing. It was a good game for him. I'm going to say that Chicago, I, Chicago has to win. I think Chicago is more 
I think they're more talented. I just think they are. I know the, the Bucs have two good receivers, and they have some really good pieces on defense. The rest is is not a great roster, honestly. Um, it's not. Again, it's just good in the wrong areas for Chicago, is what I think. It's that defense well, fly, man. Like, a good defensive line can completely tilt a game. But that's just my worry talking. So, I'm going to say Chicago wins 23-13. to Get him. Get him. Oh, please. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're Peter already. I mean, last week I was 24 to 14. Um, so you know, what do I know? But I just think, but but I just think what happened last week can't happen again. Like they can't look that bad on both sides of the ball. And they can't have all the penalties when they were one of the least penalized units last year. And they can't lose the turnover battle again. They can't lose the third down conversion battle again like all those things i don't think statistically i don't think it can happen i it shouldn't but man like if we were going to assign scores to the to the game i know that's literally what pff does but like if we were going to assign proverbial scores nick the bears are coming from such a low week one score in terms of how well I think the coaching executed getting the Bears prepared. Like, let me put it this way. Let me put it this way, Nick, because this reminds me a lot of 2018. And this is me just straight up spieling, okay? You may not even like this, but just being blunt. I don't know how the Bears practiced too confident. They were just the worst team in football. And I understand I that they brought a bunch of players in, but I cannot, like, Matt Nagy, I actually get it because Matt Nagy talks his talk. I'm not saying he walks his walk. I'm saying that 2019 season, yeah, Matt Nagy being front and center as somebody who straight up believed that the Bears were a double doink away from the Super Bowl championship. Like, that's kind of the attitude you wanted to your head coach. But yep. how on earth did the Bears not spend the entire, entire offseason drilling that you were the worst team in football, prove them wrong? Maybe yep. they did, and maybe they t took too much to the worst team in football part. Because man, the faces <laughs> we saw at the uh, at, at the mid third quarter were something that just can't happen on week one. Something well, that I'm actually shocked professional athletes did. Yes, that yes. early. Yes, there, there's there's three guys that I want to point out that I was proud of. I was proud of Tyreek Stevenson because yes. I don't think he ever gave up in that game, and he cared, and he brought the wood he hit people and i was proud of two offensive guys darnell wright and roshan johnson if you guys want to see what heart looks like roshan johnson at the end of that game even though dj moore decided not to block on some of those checkdowns to him and he had to just make guys miss and whatever and get hit and tried to made a guy miss and tried to stay in bounds and score a touchdown there and then when he did score the touchdown he burled through and reached over the goal line that's not the play that matters to me. The play that matters to me is the interception for a touchdown. Go and watch Darnell Wright and Roshan Johnson not give up on that play. And they both hit Quay Walker, who has a concussion right now. That might have been the play. They didn't give up. How many other guys could have made a tackle on that play? I can't Just believe you only pointed out three. To be honest with you, like, yeah. am I taking the wrong attitude here? Like if this is if we were talking college ball and both of us were talking about like Kansas University back in the like dog days of when they were just getting guttered in the Big Twelve, talk yeah, about effort and heart, yeah. right? Like talk about effort and heart and who wants to be here. I think has a place. This is a professional football team in week mm -hmm. one. 
Like the in a fan base that it, for as many people say that like the Bears fans, the Bears media are negative. This fan base will love you if you do anything. Like, look at the way that we treated Akeem Hicks, Khalil Mack, and plenty of other people. That the moment you perform, you are on billboards. You are a hero in the yep. city of Chicago. And we yep. will love you to death and defend you that way. You mentioned three people, and you're mentioning them because they didn't give up. Like, yeah. the inverse is way more shocking to me. And, and, and that, that's why I think they have to be hungry. They have to bounce back. Because if they don't, if they don't, then it's disaster yes unmitigated disaster and we're saying that as moderate people i i like to hope that it's coming through that we're trying to be as moderate as possible but on one hand you've got arizona who says and we don't believe them that they're not trying to tank when they trade for josh dobbs then there they are like still a one score game all the way into the fourth quarter and they just don't get it normal nfl ending as they they really tried to grind out a win like they were getting Mm -hmm. pressure on sam howell with nobody on their defensive line man do i wish that we could do a little bit of that right well well we'll 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 see we'll see but we both predicted wins so that's have to like i almost feel like this is a this is like pleading with the bears as much as it is predicting nick where it's like I, i mean i'm just I just can't see Tremaine Edmonds being that bad again. I can't see TJ Edwards being that bad again. I can't see the interior O-line, despite everything, Nate Davis be that bad again. I just can't. <sighs> we got to see it. We really have yeah. to see it. Yeah. I am I am blown away that we are here in week two. I really am. Like, I, I'm holding back. As we talk about some of this, like I I got one thing. Let's talk about a positive. Okay. To to end this. Okay. Yes, please. Get my mic already here. I'm I'm going to get in close. Get in it. Roshan Johnson is the best running back that we have. And it's not even close. Pass protection, running the football. And again, effort wise, because I I mean, you probably saw what I was talking about with Herbert bouncing outside too much, trying to do too much. I thought Foreman. Rain Hardy does what he does, but Roshan Johnson, difference maker. And how soon before he's the starter? I want to see him in the first quarter. This isn't me trying to put too many red flags. It's a standard practice for running backs. You put that guy who's fresh in in the second half, and he rolls out and freaking dominates. And I mean, that hit he had was straight out of a video game. Like, that was one of those truck stick abilities that somebody gets, and he just ran over like dude but that that awesome. that hit that hit is what you're talking about fans would will love you if love you, you do that love you you like you like do. cutler when cutler would lower his shoulder the same stuff baker does we love freaked you. out he's tough freaked that's my quarterback out. like yeah. and, and within that like i think i think roshan's awesome and i'm not trying to take a darn thing away from him when you give khalil herbert rushing lanes he'll get you 60 where roshan will get you 25 and that's a bad thing they're different running backs. Like mm-hmm. they they do different things. I thought Herbert looked much smoother catching the football than he nearly ever true. has in his life. Like Herbert is not somebody that I have an issue with because him trying to do too much and, and after nearly five run stops or run stuffs, I don't know what I'd do as a running back either. This is where I can't relate to the football player, but I try anyways. Right? Yeah, no, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, they they get frustrated too. They go outside of their their thing, but I mean, there's. 
Now you're going to make me go down into the Green Bay, like knew when we were going to do boot. And and then there were huge rushing lanes when we were, when we had the play fake going on. And then like, like how about the, 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 the weird second and four or, or the goal line, second goal from the four, when we don't want the play call is if he just hands it to four minutes, it's a, it's a touchdown. Sorry. Nobody talks about this touchdown. enough, Nick, at least I haven't seen it talked about, but I swear Getsy was not even playing games. A, f- a play call behind the yeah. entire game. Yes. Like he would see Joe Barry line up in what's called a penny front. That's five wide with one linebacker and a six man box, something really light. And the next play he would send in an inside run when they switched to a seven man box. And suddenly I the was- run wouldn't go anywhere. Like checks at the line. Like, let's get into this. I didn't see any of it. If, if you saw it, I mean, I wasn't watching closely for it. So maybe it was there, but like this, attitude of fields is our confident operator and we're going to get into the best play it's not on fields this is the unit this is how did because you get months to prepare for this game so if you go in there and you say when we get this front we are going to change to this I mean, that we is, do that in high school. We do that in college. Right? They, they have to do this. I mean, I mean, Tyson Bajan talked about his checks. We talked his checks. So you think they have to be built in the game plan, just like the site adjustments when the corner happens and, and Claypool sees it, you settle down and it's easy completion. So yes, it's there. But 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 come back with me. When's Roshan Johnson going to start? I think he starts uh, week seven, probably. Yeah. Maybe maybe sooner, but. I always slow play rookies personally. Like I think he starts to get more and more action going forward because he shined. I think they're going to love that. Well, but, did you see his, did you see his PFF grade? Uh, was it awesome? Cause I bet it was. Well, well, okay. Overall 12th best running back in the NFL, which is good. Oh, he was sweet in terms of a rusher fourth. He, he hit his hole. And he did a great job. Like, he really did. Pass his, blocking, fifth best pass blocking running back. His competition is that Foreman and Herbert didn't play bad. The offensive line, in my opinion, did not help them. PFF may disagree, but the, as I saw it, Roshan was awesome. Maybe they really do give him chances. Like, it would be super fun. And if the field, if, oh, maybe I need one caveat, Nick. If the season does go south, probably week four. <laughs> No, like we're not doing that. We're not doing that. I'm just hey. saying you probably accelerate some of the young kid timelines, right? And, and, yeah. And here's the the last thing I'll say about Tampa. And then we got to wrap this up is Green Bay beat us. Green Bay somehow has this, I don't know, whatever Curse. you want to call it. Curse. Yeah, I was just going to go there. Like the Bambino, like we're Boston, I feel like. Or we're like the Cubs, right? Like we just can't get over this curse. And other teams don't have that. So as badly as we played there, the curse doesn't ha- doesn't work for Tampa or anyone else because we beat Tom Brady not yes. that long ago. The, so the only question in. that I need I need it answered, Nick. The Bears aren't going to get blown out this weekend. If they do, oh my gosh, we've got problems on problems. Like we've problems enough if we lose a toss up. I do think we're looking at a toss up. And so if let's say that I could tell you right now, I could look in this crystal ball. Right. And that this game is going to end 19 to 17. It is mission critical. You're the 19. <laughs> like <laughs> this, the, going all the way back to 2019, week two, what happened? I'll remind you, Nick. That was that ugly, ugly 
awful game against the Broncos <laughs> that the Bears just rescued a victory. In the- oh, was that was that the timeout with one second left? Yes. Oh wow, that rescued. that was against, that was against uh, Fangio. It was against Fangio. And so, also, if we wanted to draw a parallel, a phenomenal defensive coordinator, yes. <laughs> like getting yeah. the chance to lead a team that had a lot to prove that year. Right. So, right. and and like in like those in Denver, games, when it's a toss up game, and like who knows what's going to happen, you love the wild card that your quarterback can just make something happen yes. out of nothing. And and that 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 I feel like that's going to help. That at some point this season, that's got to happen. So if it didn't happen in week one, it's got to happen in week two. It's why I wouldn't be surprised if Fields has one to two runs that go off like a gunshot and tilt the game. It's also why it's, to me, more critical that the defense wins their matchup because yeah. there is this element of Justin will find a way, probably, eventually. And so if he does, you got to have a defense that keeps a lid on this thing. But mm-hmm. all this to say, Nick, that you could be grindy. You can be grungy. Like nobody actually cares about the style points. Can Hot take here, Nick. Nobody Win. cares. Nobody Win. cares about the style points in week two. Patrick Mahomes looking, honestly, he looked great last Thursday. So bad example. Joe Burrow looking horrible week one. Nobody will care in week 14. But people will care what he did in week 15 in the playoffs. Because it'll be within the last couple games rearview mirror, right? Like, the form matters late. The results matter early. Detroit, big time win. win. Chicago, doesn't matter. Not what we want. Minnesota, not what they wanted. It does not matter. No, Jefferson had all the stats. Cousins had 300 yards. No one cares. Nobody cares. And as as me as a coach, I never cared. I mean, I would have players be like, oh, you know, I'm going to get, you know, I want to get another catch or I want another carry or I want, I don't care. I want to win. Win is win the, the only thing in my vision. And so they have to be so pissed off have from to week one and embarrassed that I, if, if one team blows another team out, I think Chicago would blow them out. Like I, I don't see, I cannot envision Chicago getting blown out again after being this pissed off this week. Cause if that happens, people are getting fired. Chicago or I, I think you saying cannot has this beautiful double meaning though, because obviously we're Bears fans and we're biased, right? Like oh, you yeah. can't you can't see it because looking into that hole is simply something that you and I aren't gonna do. No, well, we've been there before. Like I'm I mean, it's in the realm that Justin Fields isn't good. I'm I'm willing to admit that it's in the realm of Matt Eberflus is not a good coach, but the odds of that team, because if you go back and forth, I know you love Vita Vea, right? Billings had a better PFF grade than Vita Vea did in week one. Oh, yeah. If you go back and forth, their corners are good. Ours aren't bad either. You go, their receivers are good. Our group of receivers is right almost on par with there. Like, you go back and forth, I feel like we're a better team. Rookie on the offensive line against a team that's going to blitz like maniacs with a right guard that looked rusty, a center that sucks, and like... Get rid of him. Everything else going on on the Eddie. offensive line, it, it, Nick. It's this is me expressing doubt. I I worry okay. I'm coming across like I think these things are certain. It's more like I know where you're going, but we mm-hmm. just saw this same matchup problem become a real issue against Green Bay. And Kenny Clark isn't the exact same as Vita Vea, but 
you're looking at similar caliber players. Like you've got similar talent on the rest of the offensive line, but now you add the element of the blitz that theoretically speeds up your timer against a quarterback where the timer is the whole problem. And so Fields was better against the blitz than not blitzed. Do you know that? Actually not surprised because he he was nine of 13 when blitzed completion. Or do you mean this last game? Yeah. Let me look it up. I'll look it up here. Cause I know you'll like it. Like, was that, he did not get 13. He didn't, he didn't only get blitzed 13 times 2022. Right. Let me, let me, let me break this down. Let me source of that. Yeah. What is it? What is it? I'm dying to know. View and preview stats. Dadgummit. We went over again, Nick. We are, this is what we do. This is what we do. We love talking about it. Uh, passing pressure. Here we go. Justin Fields on Sunday against Green Bay was blitzed. Well, okay. He was blitzed 16 times. That's actually a pretty hefty number, number of blitzes. He had 11 attempts in those. Okay. He had nine completions, 81.8 completion percentage, 96 yards. 8.7 yards per attempt, which was higher than anything else he had, and his touchdown. When he was not blitzed, 33 dropbacks. He was 15 of 26, 57.7 completion percentage, 120 yards, 4.6 yards per attempt, zero touchdowns, and a pick. But that stuff makes me so upset. So maybe it's the away, Tampa Bay. Matchup. Maybe it's the perfect matchup, actually. Away. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Bang, man. I'll tell you what I conversation for another podcast. Let's leave it at this. So we are excited. We will be live for the first time all season right after the game. You can take a look at this channel right here, or if you're not into live YouTube and, and that's fine. You do you, it will hit your podcast episodes as soon as I get it edited, which is it. I will do it. <laughs> I, I don't well, know. I don't well, know when. Well, the benefit, people, if you want it, the benefit of live is you can comment. You can ask us questions within the same chats. We will answer your questions. Yep. And so we will be live. Nick, what you gonna be doing between now and then? What work do you have going on? Uh so I have a contrarian article will be coming out on Friday at Football Guys. Uh, I'm just gonna let you know right now. Okay, last week. I because I look at the ownership percentages for DFS and I'm like, okay, these guys aren't owned and I like this matchup and this could happen. I did miss, obviously, I didn't go 100% on that one. But Brandon Ayuk was a guy I was like, man, I really like him. He's not owned a lot and he went off. So a little teaser for why you should read that article. Awesome. And then on my side, I'll be posting what I can between now and then. A lot of the bulk of what I've done starts to settle at this point. But until next time, Bears fans, thank you so much for tuning in. Let us know what you like. Let us know what you don't. We want to make the best Bears podcast that we possibly can for you. And until next time, bear down. And thanks so much for bearing with us. 